Okay, so we pick up now after, uh, I think, a couple of weeks on uh, on Tuesday. I think last week I had a chasana, Baruch Hashem. So now we uh, pick up uh, in our, as we move forward in this first chapter of the uh, Messiah Shosham, really the introductory chapter. I mean, it's the first chapter, but it's the introductory one before he gets the actual midos themselves, the actual uh, traits which one would uh, seek to uh, to acquire. And he's laying out for us really the importance of being focused on or understanding how exactly the world functions and what our role in the world is going to be during that, uh, you know, during, during that time that, uh, that we are here. So I think after tonight, I think it'll probably be another two weeks that, uh, that we're going to do on the Messiah Susharim. And then I'm thinking of doing a series on Chinuch, which wouldn't be, you know, so much uh, related to uh, reading in, in a safer, but presenting a, a number of I don't know, lectures, shiurim, whatever it is about uh, about chinuch. Okay, but I guess we'll decide that uh, when we when we get to that. So in the meantime, we are here in the mysterious Sharm. Hopefully, it pops up on your screen. Yeah. Okay. So here, the mysterious Sharm says that the im. Tamik od be'inyan tira, that if a person explores this idea further about the role of mankind and what the uh, their function is and what we're trying to achieve, so <laughs> one will see ki ha'olam nivra adam, the world was created in order to serve mankind, meaning that um, that the uh, that all of creation, the entire physical universe that exists. Is was designed to be a tool through which people are going to be able to serve Hakadosh Baruch Hu and make themselves closer to Him. That's the only function which the uh, physical universe has is just to be this tool which we're going to use to serve Hashem. But Amnam, but Hine who Omei but being that where the world is available for us as a tool through which we're going to connect with Hakadosh Baruch Hu. So this puts us bishikogaro, meaning in the a scale, a scale, the old-fashioned scale. We're trying to measure to we're trying to balance two sides with one another. So it's a tightrope walk that we have as we navigate and as we move our way through this world, because because if a person is going to be drawn after the physical world, as we're going to see, and the word nimshach is a very important word over here. It means that a person is drawn after, not simply that a person is going to use or a person is going to experience some sort of benefit, some sort of pleasure. Uh, there's nothing wrong with, uh, you know, a good sandwich or a good uh, or a good drink or something like that. So certainly that's something which is good. But that we cross the line when it goes from something which we enjoy to something that we're drawn after. You think of it in terms of, you know, somebody who drinks, uh, you know, Shabbos morning after davening because the rabbi's drusha was too long and they need to go ahead and relax after a, a long drusha from the rabbi versus somebody who goes ahead and on a daily basis, uh, every hour something is going on where they're drawn after having another drink or they're drawn after some other substance which they need to, uh, to indulge in. Because when one does that, when one is drawn after the world in such a way, not really merely enjoying the world, but drawn after the world, so then the way some of the psalm write it is, so then olam haba, olam haza, this world, so it makes a kenyan, it acquires a bit of your existence. 
and you become more earthly rather than more spiritual. You become more physical than, uh, than, than spiritual. And when that occurs, so when that happens, so the individual themselves becomes in some way corrupted because now they're introducing too much of this foreign substance called physicality into their, into their neshama. And the world also becomes, gets drawn down after that. And this is something which is, they have in this uh, commentary uh, that I have, so he brings that, he mentions this fascinating thing. I'll read it uh, to you, read it, explain it to you. And he says, So when a person uses the world uh, as it should be, as tools in order to uh, enhance their avodah Hashem, in order to draw closer to God, in order to develop a proper connection with God, so then you could cause the world to become elevated, or you could cause the world to become uh, to well uh, become lower. Excuse me. But in our existence, in the world that we find ourselves in now, we don't have the capacity to go ahead and change the physical nature of things. We don't have the, the capacity to change the spiritual nature of things. We just take things as is, and we elevate them or we lower them but we can't actually transform them. This is the part which was fascinating. He says, But the world was dramatically different before the flood, before Noah and the generation of the flood. Because during that generation, and this is why Akash Baruch had such a severe reaction, such a strong reaction to the sins which were going on at that time, because at that time, when mankind was sinning, so they were causing, it's not simply that they were lowering what was there in the world, they were physically corrupting them. They were, they were ruining them in a, very, uh, in a very negative way. Like the Pasuk says, because mankind was corrupting, was destroying the way of the world, meaning everything was losing uh, its, uh, its purpose, and it was becoming lowered, and it was becoming much, much worse. And after the flood, so HaKadosh Baruch Hu said, you know what, we can't have this anymore, that mankind's behavior is going to lower, uh, lower is not the word, is going to corrupt the physical world like it could before. So it's actually considered to be a great chesed from Hashem, that we no longer have the same influence on the physical world like we did before the flood. Because if that were not the case, so then all of creation would then become corrupted. So before the flood, we had a stronger connection between ourselves and our behavior and the physical world. And we could actually corrupt things or we can, uh, uh, we can uh, uh, fix things, we can make things better, enhance things. Now, after the flood, HaKadosh Baruch Hu said, you know what, creation is going to remain static. That's why Hashem said, I'm not going to bring floods anymore, and I'm not going to disrupt what's happening in the heavens and the earth. All of that is going to continue in its regular holach yelach, in its regular path, its regular course. And all that's going to happen now is we could either lift it up or we could lower it down. But we're not going to be able to physically alter the uh, the universe, the physical world, like it was like it was possible before. Now, 
being that we're on this tightrope where we're engaged in the physical world, but we're not supposed to be drawn after. We're not supposed to become, in a sense, addicted to this physical world. So now, im hu So in the event that a person succeeds, successfully navigates their way through life, the sholeh ba'atzmo, they demonstrate control over themselves, so they're not going to be drawn after the, the physical world. And they're able to connect themselves, able to attach the Creator. And their only interaction with the physical world is in order to be able to assist in serving HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So it's not the person is able to refrain from indulgences. A person doesn't take any more from the physical world than they actually need to take in order to uh, survive. And they go ahead and they're just going to, uh, they are just going to, um, uh, they're they're just going to go ahead and and use the world as necessary in order to achieve their, their purpose. So then, that is the ideal uh, way that we interact in this world. Um, one time, uh, it was a number of years ago, I don't remember if you uh, would remember, Ralph, but Rav Arleib Steinman came to Chicago. He did a United States tour a number of years ago, 10, 15 years ago or something like that. And he stopped off in Chicago. That was one of the first stops he, uh, he uh, one of the first cities he visited when he, uh, when he reached the States. And at that point, he was already in his 90s. It was in his in mid-90s or something like that, or his late 80s. I think he was in his 90s already at that time. So he was visiting with the, at, at that time, the Rosh Hashiva of Tells, of Ram Chaim Levin Zatzal. And uh, Rabbi Levin said to him, the Rosh Hashiva said to him, he says, listen, undoubtedly, uh, the uh, Rabbi Levin that uh, you're probably tired and exhausted from the, uh, from the trip. It's, uh, it's tiring and it's uh, exhausting to go ahead and travel. Uh, maybe the Rashiva would like to go ahead and eat something extra just to get a little bit more energy to replenish the energy. So but Aaron Leib thought about it for a moment, and then he said, you know what, you're right. I think I'll have half a grape. That's what he said, half a grape. So that was what he made a calculation that that's what he needed in order to replenish his, his energy. It wasn't like it was a bag of grapes, it was a cluster of grapes, it was even an entire grape. He made a cheshben in his head, he figured out in his head that what he needs is a little bit more of a boost, and a little bit more of a boost isn't anything more than half a grape. And that's what he did, he in, in, not indulged, but he went ahead and he allowed himself to have this half grape, and then he was good to go for uh, you know whatever energy he needed for... Uh, in order to uh, to to be here, but in doing so, so the person is going to go ahead and kumisala. So if a person interacts in this world in such a way, so then the individual himself is going to be elevated, and va'olam atzmo misala imo. And the entire world is going to be elevated, is going to be uplifted together together with him. And this is means that, that if you uh, are aware in, in the uh, the Sifre Machshava, so they talk about the different levels of creation. And there is, the lowest level is Domeim. Domeim are the inanimate objects which exist. Above that is Tzomeach. Tzomeach are the plants and the trees and the, uh, the vegetables, things which grow. And then you have Chai, you have the animate creatures. You have the animal kingdom, and you have the bird kingdom, and you have the insect kingdom. All of the, all of which are things which are alive. And then on top of that you have Adam, and then on top of that you have Klal Yisrael. 
those who are uh, who are above it, the medaber, those who uh, have the capacity to speak. So the Messias Hashem says that when we do what we're supposed to, when we use the world, the physical universe, as a tool in order to get closer to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, so then we elevate not only ourselves, but we elevate the world itself. And that means that even the inanimate objects, the plants and the, uh, and the, uh, the living creatures, so they also, the spirituality, which they need in order for, for, to, uh, to exist, in order to serve their function. So that is a derivative of the amount of spirituality which we infuse into this world by using the world correctly. So the more that we use the world correctly, the more, the more energy, the more spiritual energy we're going to be able to infuse into this, into this world. And as a result of that, these inanimate objects or these, uh, the, the, uh, uh, non-humans, the uh, the domain, the inanimate objects, and the chai, the living creatures, and the tzomech, and the growing creatures. So all of them are going to also be able to achieve, they achieve their function of, of attaching to HaKadosh Baruch Hu as well. Because attachment to HaKadosh Baruch Hu isn't something which is the unique domain of mankind. All of creation ultimately has to be able to connect to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. These other things, they don't have Bechira. They don't have free choice so that they can, on their own, figure out how to, tw- how to attach to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. But their attachment is a function, is a derivative of the degree to which we attach to HaKadosh Baruch Hu and the degree to which we use those things in order to be able to, uh, to serve Hashem. So, for example, when we uh, in the springtime, when we go ahead and we say the bracha on blossoming fruit trees. So in that way, when we say the bracha, so Kabbalistically, that is a very uh, it's a very sacred moment, because at that time, there's an uh, there's an assumption that there's a spiritual force which exists inside of that tree. And that tree then becomes elevated when we go ahead and we say the bracha on that tree. So that's how the tree is going to fulfill its purpose. And that's how it's going to achieve its attachment with HaKadosh Baruch Hu when we go ahead and we're able to, uh, to do that. And he says, Kihine, because, uh, uh, yeah, Kihine, Ilue Gadolhu Lebrios Kulam. It is a special uh, elevation which, uh, which happens to the, ent- the entirety of creation. Biyosem Mishamsha Adam Hashalim. When the, the, the creation as a whole becomes elevated, when it's going to be able to serve mankind by becoming sanctified together with the, uh, the person, the, the, together with the person himself. Uh, yeah. Um, right. So he says that, and that is... Uh, right. V'hu, and this is like we say, and this is consistent with what Chazal teach us, with what the uh, the sages teach us, when they say, the light which Akash went ahead and hid away from the uh, the tzaddikim. So this is talking about uh, the uh, the original light of creation. If you remember that the Hakadosh Baruch Hu did not create the sun, the moon, and the stars until day four, but yet even on day one of creation, it says that there was light. There was there was Boker and there was there was Or and Choshef. There was light and dark already on day one. So where did the light come from on days uh, one, two, and three before Hakadosh Baruch Hu created the uh, the sun, the moon, and the stars? 
So this was a spiritual light which Akash Baruchu created. And then he went ahead and he hid it away for Tzadikim. So he didn't leave it out in the open for everybody to be able to use. He specifically went ahead and uh, uh, hid it away, buried it away, um, secured it away on behalf of the tzaddikim for them to be able to enjoy. And this is what Chazal say. This is what the uh, the statement of Chazal is. The Baruch observed the light which he had hidden away, which he had secured away on behalf of the tzaddikim. So this brought joy to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. This, uh, this, uh, this made him very, very happy. Shenemar, as it says, or tzaddikim yismach, that when HaKadosh Baruch Hu observes the light of tzaddikim, so he becomes joyous, he becomes very excited by that. And what this means is also, I'm going to uh, I'll read to you. He says, Kibitchila, at the very beginning of creation on day one, Nivra Bria Bishem Or. So the world was created with something called Or. So there's a spiritual force which exists in this world, not simply light as we refer to it nowadays, but there is a spiritual force which was create which was used in order to create the first, in order to uh, utilize for the first three days of creation. And then at a certain point, HaKadosh Baruch Hu said, you know what, this light is too spiritual and people will corrupt it, people will ruin it. And HaKadosh Baruch Hu said, it's best off if I hide it away somewhere. I deposited it, I deposit it somewhere so that the tzaddikim will be able to, uh, to enjoy it. And it's not going to be something which everybody else is going to enjoy. Where did HaKadosh Baruch Hu hide this ore? So he hid this ore in the Torah itself. Vizera or HaGanuz Shebet Torah. So the Torah itself, on a spiritual level, the Torah contains this light, which, which, which emanates from it. That's the spirituality of the Chachma of Torah, of the wisdom of Torah, is the fact that it contains that, that spiritual light with which HaKash Baruch Hu created the world. Like the Pasuk says, the Torah or. So in Tanakh, so the, we, we draw a metaphor between Torah and light. And that is the light of creation. Then on Wednesday of creation, on the fourth day of creation, HaKadosh Baruch Hu got to the creation of the sun, the moon, and the stars. And from that point on, the way we see with our physical eyes, that's now with the light which emanates from the sun. So that's not the spiritual light of creation. That is a creation itself, which is capable of generating light. But when we talk about this hidden light, and if you remember from the Gemara's in Chagiga, where Chazal say that Adam Arishon had the capacity to see from one end of the universe to the other end of the universe. So it doesn't mean that he had like 20,000 20, vision or something like that, that he could see this uh, tremendous uh, distance or however you would, uh, you would uh, try and describe that. But rather, the reason why he was able to see the entirety of the universe from one, to, one end to the other is because or haganus, because this hidden light, the, the original light of creation, who yediyas kol inyan al mahuso v'tochano. So then it has to do with an awareness and a knowledge of everything which exists and its exact purpose. 
So knowing sometimes we see things, you can look, I'm looking out the window and there's a tree uh, in, the, in the, the backyard over here. As far as what we know is this tree, because it, grow, it, it grows fruit, which we can't eat. All I know about this tree is I can't build my sukkah in my backyard because I have this, uh, this fruit tree here, which you're not allowed to cut down. So that's all I know about the, the tree. But the truth is that's only because I don't recognize the deep spiritual nature, which this tree actually contains and what function it's serving in the universe as a whole. But if you were to bring a tzaddik here, if you were to bring somebody who's on that level, somebody who is infused with Torah and Torah knowledge and is able to access that that Torah or that special light, so they'd be able to see it as if they're wearing special glasses, which allows them to see the spiritual nature of things rather than the physical nature of things. And this is something which is a, it's a very powerful tool, but it's something which HaKadosh Baruch Hu included in the very essence of creation that the, uh, that the world, the physical world contains this great spirituality and it becomes elevated when used by a tzaddik, when used by somebody in Avodah Hashem, in the service of Hashem. So that's when that physical object, whatever physical object we use, but that physical object becomes elevated when it's going to be used for a, a, a tzaddik. What's an example of that? So here he gives a great, uh, an outstanding example. He says, And an example of this is, if you remember when Yaakov was on his way running to Lavan, so he had to flee his parents' home because Asa was about to kill him. And he goes off and he learns in Shem Vever, whatever it is. And finally, after learning in the yeshiva of Shem Vever, so he finally begins, uh, embarks on the journey to reach his uncle Lavan, to move in for a while, hopefully find a wife. And he goes in and he reaches a place and decides he's going to go to sleep. And the Torah says that he took a bunch of stones, Shalakach Yaakov Shosav. So Yaakov Avinu took a bunch of stones and he put it under his head. And what happened? When he went ahead and he put those stones under his head, so Amru, so the Gemara in Chulin, which Rashi quotes, tells us that Amr of Yitzchak, so Yitzchak says that Melamed, this teaches us, that all of those stones which Yaakov Avinu gathered together to use as a pillow of sorts, so they all gathered together, to, they all wanted to occupy the same space, the same spot, and we know in the physical universe you can't have two things occupying the same spots at the same time, but you had two things, you had all these stones which were trying to occupy the same spot, and each one went ahead and said, that the tzaddik should go ahead and place his head upon me. So we see that there was this competition which was going on between those, uh, those stones. And the idea of this competition was the fact that um, uh, was the fact that the stones were aware that they become elevated when, if they are able to go ahead and serve a tzaddik. So the tzaddik needs something to rest his head upon in order to go to sleep. And whatever whatever stone Yaakov is going to rest his head upon, that stone is going to thereby become elevated. Remember we said at the beginning of this year tonight that when we use the physical universe uh, effectively, when we use it properly, 
So it becomes elevated as a result of that use. So not only do we become elevated when we use the physical world in our Avodah Hashem, but the physical world itself becomes elevated. And therefore, these stones were competing with one another, were arguing with one another, whatever that means in a spiritual sense. But they were arguing with one another that each one wanted to make sure that the tzaddik of, named Yaakov Avinu would go ahead and place his head on that stone. Now I'll read to you. He says, Rachain, therefore, Biksha Kol Evan, each stone wanted, they wanted that Yaakov's head should actually rest on that particular stone. In that stone, whichever stone was Zochit to that, would thereby become elevated because it's now serving directly the tzaddik of Yaakov Avinu. And now this requires a little bit of contemplation, a little bit of, of, of thought. That we don't find this, this argument, which the stones had that uh, over which one uh, would be that Yaakov would actually rest his head upon. So we don't find a similar debate and a single, similar argument we only find this debate in this argument when the stones were going to be used directly by the tzaddik, meaning it was going to be Yaakov Avinu's pillow. So when it came to decide which stone would actually be Yaakov Avinu's pillow, that's where we find that there was a debate about which stone uh, Yaakov would rest his head upon. Because the stones knew that whichever whichever one would be able to be directly under Yaakov Avinu's head, so that stone would thereby be elevated and it achieves its purpose in this in, in this uh, in this world. Avalo Bishum But we don't find that in other contexts, even in spiritual contexts, we don't find that stones get into an argument with one another. For example, that every time you build a Mizbech, a Mizbech had to be built out of stone. But we don't find any Memran Chazal, any statement in Chazal, that the stones gathered together and they got into an argument about which stone is going to be on the top of the Mizbech and which stone is going to be on the bottom of the Mizbech. We don't find that, uh, that they had an argument about that. Or when it comes to the stones which are on the breastplate, on the Urim Vitumim, worn by the Kohen Gadol. So there also, there were stones which were going to be used. And we don't find that there was an argument between the different types of gemstones about which one was going to be where on the Urim Vitumim and which of this type of gemstone was going to actually make it onto the Urim Vitumim. But the other ones are going to remain on the uh, on the jeweler's table and they're not going to make it to the Urim Vitumim. We don't find an argument about that only by these stones, which are going to be Yaakov Avinu's pillow, because because the primary way through which the physical universe becomes elevated, is when they are going to provide direct benefit to mankind. So therefore, since the only time we find that stones are ever serving this role of direct benefit to the person, not as a Mizbeach, as a place to be able to bring a korban, but it's actually providing this direct service of being a pillow for Yaakov Avinu. So since that's the only time we ever find such a thing taking place, therefore it is, um, uh, therefore it is 
uh, it's in that context that we find that they argued because each stone ultimately wanted to be be the one so that that stone could be uh, could be uh, could uh, could benefit. And now what's interesting about this is is if you remember the rest of the Chazal or the rest which Rashi goes ahead and he quotes. And that is, and this is based on the fact that initially the Pasuk calls them avanim in the plural. And then later on, it talks about the even in the singular, the, the one stone. So we say, that ultimately all of these stones, the 12 stones, which were arguing about, about which one Yaakov Avinu would rest his head upon. So at the end of the day, so all of the stones, all of the ones which argued about this, they all merited to be the stone upon which Yaakov Avinu's head rested. So how could Yaakov Avinu go ahead and rest his head upon 12 stones? So the Chazal say that overnight they went ahead and they fused together. So at the beginning of the night, they argued when there were 12 different stones. And then at a certain point, I don't know exactly when, but at a certain point, all of those stones fused together and they became a single stone. And then once they became a single stone, so then they're no longer 12 separate pieces. It's now one stone. And as a unit of one stone, since Yaakov Avinu rested his head on that one stone, so all of that stone, which was originally comprised of these 12 parts, all of them became elevated and they all fulfilled their purpose in this world because they were used by, by Yaakov Avinu. And this teaches us a very important rule as far as Ruchnius is concerned, as far as spiritual pursuits are concerned. And that is, that anytime we go ahead and we search for the truth, so, and we, we search sincerely to be able to serve HaKadosh Baruch Hu better, so we're not going to be sent away empty-handed. That that desire and that yearning and sometimes that tefillah, which we say, even though it may seem that initially it was not answered, that we didn't get the answer that we were seeking, but we have full confidence that nothing that we do in the realm of Avodah Hashem, no efforts that we put forward in the realm of Avodah Hashem amount to nothing. They're always going to amount to something. Sometimes we're able to see the direct result of it, sometimes not. But it's always going to be something which is going to provide some sort of benefit, and it's going to manifest itself simply because that is that is the the yearning and the desire that the person has. And then he continues, and he says, "Vehine," he says, "Behold, al ikir hazeh So he says this idea about using the physical world correctly so that we could go ahead and elevate ourselves, we could become elevated by making proper use of the world around us as a tool in our Vodas Hashem, and then by, uh, thereby also elevating the physical universe, bringing it to a a state of being closer to HaKadosh Baruch Hu and being connected with HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So this idea is found by Midrash Kohelas, Shamur Zichron Mivracha and the Midrash on Kohelas, where Chazal say, Pasuk says, You should check out the behavior of God, the actions of God. What does this mean, says the Medrash? That at the time that, that HaKadosh Baruch Hu went ahead and created Adam Arishon, Natlo, he took him, sorry, he took him, and he took a tour of, it was like the botanical gardens, 
So he got on that, uh, that tour bus or whatever, and they went around to be able to see all of the different trees and all of the different things which are growing and everything which was, which was happening. Vamrlo, and as Akash Baruch Hu is giving Adam Arishal a tour of all the different types of trees and all the different plants and everything which was growing over there, Akash Baruch Hu says to Adam Arishal, Re'e masa, masai, kamenoi umeshubachimim. So Akash Baruch Hu says, listen, this garden I worked very hard on. I created it from scratch. Literally, God says, I created this garden from, from scratch. And therefore, this is something which represents its most perfect state because it's most perfect physical state as it is now, ready to be used uh, by you in the uh, use of, as a tool in Avodah Hashem. And it's very beautiful and it's praiseworthy and it's outstanding. The Choma Shabarasi and says, moreover, everything which I created, so this is the entire universe, again, following the, the order of things, the domain, the inanimate objects, the tzomeach, the things which grow, the plants and the trees which grow, and the chai and the living creatures, and the adam and mankind. Bishvilcha barasi. HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, Adam Rishon, I created all of this for you. Nothing, nothing was created for no purpose whatsoever. Nothing is extraneous in creation. And everything which exists is a tool for you, Adam Arishon, to go ahead and use in service of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. By definition, because if there was no need, if Adam Arishon wasn't going to use everything which existed in creation, then it wouldn't be in creation. So by the very definition of things, if HaKadosh Baruch Hu created the world for mankind, so he didn't just create man in an empty universe, he created an inhabited universe, which has inanimate objects, and it has plants, and it has animals, and, and uh, uh, flowers, and birds, and insects, and even fish, and all sorts of uh, different things. And all of this was created by HaKadosh Baruch Hu for mankind to be able to utilize in Avodah Hashem. And what does he say? He says, look at all of this stuff, admire it, appreciate all of the beauty. But on top of that, make sure to pay very, very close attention. Because I am giving you the responsibility, I'm tasking you with the responsibility, make sure that you don't corrupt and you don't destroy my world. So when we go ahead and we are nimshach, using the terminology he used before, when we are drawn after this physical world, where it's not something that's used simply as a tool, but it becomes something that we are drawn after and we are connected to, when we connect to the physical world rather than to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, so that is disruptive and corruptive to the entire universe. And it brings everything down and it dirties things, and it ruins things, and it makes things not the, not as good. And therefore, HaKadosh Baruch Hu said to Adam Arishon, you better be very careful that as you're making your way, you're navigating your way through the uh, through the, the garden over through Gan Eden over there, make sure to use everything properly, and make sure not to ruin anything. Like we say in Shul, Ralph will, will tell you, that the most, the most fundamental mitzvah which HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave us was, don't make a mess. So that's what he told uh, Adam Arisha. He said, listen, there's a beautiful garden that I just placed you in, and your job is to take care of it, to work it and to guard it and protect it. And all I want you to make sure to do is don't make a mess. 
But if you go ahead and you eat from the tree that you're not supposed to eat from, so then we're going to have a big mess on our hands. And it's going to take a long, long time to go ahead and clean up that mess. It becomes very difficult to clean that up. And that's why he's saying that we have to perceive the entire physical universe as being available, being there as a tool in our Avodah Hashem, when used successfully as a tool, so we become elevated and the world becomes elevated. But if we don't use it successfully, that's where we run into a problem. And then he says, if he's going to now, he has a very beautiful summary paragraph over here. And he says, So the, the rule of thumb, what you need to remember is, the take-home is, Very important principle. That man was not created for their circumstance of this world. Whatever the circumstance that you find yourself in this world, HaKadosh Baruch Hu didn't create you. The end of the game is not what happens in this world. Rather, Ella Bavur Matsavo Bolam Haba. But rather, the reason why HaKadosh Baruch Hu created the universe and the reason why HaKadosh Baruch Hu created us was in order for us to be able to achieve whatever it is that we're going to achieve in Olam Haba. In the next world, but it's not for this world. This world is not the Iker, but rather it's the next world which is the Iker. And as we've been saying over the past few weeks, this world is the means by which we're going to gain access to the world to come. This world is the means by which we're going to have a more lichtige, a more alive, and a more enjoyable, and a more pleasant Olam Haba. But ultimately the world that we're in now, this is the time where we invest we put merits away, we earn merits, and we put them away for later. And later is the eternity of Olam Haba. But our circumstance in this world, in our task, in our assignment in this world, is to be able to see this world as an emtsai, to see it as a means to create a better circumstance for us in the world to come. Shehutachliso. Because really, it is the world to come, which is our purpose. That is the goal which we are, which we are striving to be able to, uh, to get to. And everything which exists, everything that we're surrounded by, so everything is directed towards that particular outcome. Okay, he says, for that reason, And therefore, we find he's going to quote a number of them, we find many, many similar statements of Chazal, different metaphors which they use, but ultimately they express the same sentiment, which is the fact that this world is really a tool, it's really a means to be able to get to our final destination. This is just a stopover. This is just a place where we're going to gather stuff so that we'll have it with us for eternity in the world to come. So for example, um, so one thing is they express this idea that this world is equated, this world is equated with a place and a time of preparation. So that's how we have to perceive this. So this is the workout. This is the, uh, the practicing before the big performance. So that's what we're doing in this world. And Olam Haba is characterized by the place of, uh, of rest. That's a place where we're going to be at ease. That's a place of serenity. 
And that's where we're going to be able to enjoy and benefit from all the things which we achieved and all the things which we, all the, of the investments of our time and our efforts in ruchniyastika matters, in spiritual matters. So all of that is, is going to be enjoyed only in the next world. This is not the world for that. And therefore, for example, one, one example that Chazal have, one statement that Chazal have, which captures this idea is, Pirkei Avos, which says, and he quoted this earlier, Olam hazed doma leprozdor, that this world is really the entrance hall. So the entrance hall typically has all sorts of mirrors, whereas you're walking there in order to be able to gain access to the throne room where the king actually is sitting and he's, he's, he's receiving people. So on your way in there, so you want to make sure that your tie is straight, that your shaitel is looking good, that everything is in order and you don't have any uh, you know, uh, stains on, on, your, uh, on your clothing or anything. So that's what we do in the pros door. That's what we do in the entrance way. We make sure that, that we're looking our best so that when we finally enter the throne room, so then they, when we see the king and the king sees us, he will see us looking our best. Or another statement Chazal have, Hayom la'sosam v'lo la'sosam. So uh, our our tendency is to be procrastinators. So it's very easy to say, you know what? I'm going to put an effort in my ruchnius tomorrow. I'll work on my davening tomorrow. I'll finish us tomorrow. I'll whatever the mitzvah that I want to do. So it's very easy. We have a tendency to say, I'm going to do it tomorrow, tomorrow, tomorrow. But Chazal say that's the wrong attitude. That's the wrong perspective. Because the truth is, is hayom la'asosam, that it's today that we need to go ahead and accomplish and achieve. And we can't expect that tomorrow we're going to go ahead and do that. If you have the time today, do it today. No, you can't wait till tomorrow. Because hayom la'asosam, because overall, in the big picture of things, today is the day that we're going to go ahead and achieve and accomplish and work on connecting to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Umachar and tomorrow, meaning the time of Olam Haba, is that the Kabbalah Scharm, that's where we're going to receive the reward and the benefits of all of those efforts. Or another statement, another famous statement of Chazal is Misha Tarach Be'er Shabbos, Yochab Shabbos. So if somebody wants to eat on Shabbos, since you're not allowed to cook on Shabbos, so the only way that you're going to be able to enjoy a cholent on Shabbos, the only way you're going to be able to enjoy a, not, a, a nice hot cholent on Shabbos is you have to prepare it before Shabbos. There's no way that you're going to have a hot cholent on Shabbos in the event that you don't prepare it in advance. And by the same token, Chazal say that if somebody wants to eat on Shabbos, meaning somebody wants to enjoy their olam haba. So the only way to do so is tarach is you have to go through the tircha. You have to put in the effort and the work in this world. Or last one he quotes is olam hazed doma liabasha the olam haba liyam. Not sure what exactly the uh, the metaphor over here is, but he says that this world is the dry land, and then the next world is going to be the sea. Um, Um, so he says, rabim al And there are many similar statements which Chazal use along these lines, but all of them are going to be these lines that's establishing for us the perspective that we need, the proper perspective that we need to be able to see this world for what its true function is and what its true purpose is, which is specifically that we should uh, put in the effort and we should work towards connecting with HaKadosh Baruch Hu in this world 
studying Torah, doing mitzvahs, doing chesed, davening, and whatnot, and by putting in the effort in this world, so that will allow us to gain entrance and be able to enjoy much more deeply olam haba, the eternity of being able to spend time in HaKadosh Baruch Hu's presence. Okay, so we're going to hold it over here for tonight. And... Uh,